Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, first I want to start off by breaking down all each of the three games from Thanksgiving. First we had the Bears versus Lions, then we had the Bills versus the Cowboys, then we had the Saints versus the Falcons. So I want to get to all three of those games. I made some predictions before the game. I didn't nail them all, but I want to get to those as well while I break down these games. And then I want to get to the Bruins. It's been a while. Uh, since we've talked about them, so we'll touch back uh, with the Bruins. But first, I want to break down each Thanksgiving game, starting with the Bears versus Lions. So let's get to that. All right, so yesterday, start off Thanksgiving Day, the Bears moved up to 6-6, six and six, beating the Detroit Lions 24-20. to They kept their season alive. Uh, going into this game, I actually had the Bears winning 23-10. to So I was pretty close offensively. I won't lie, uh, 23, 24 points. But the Lions' offense was better than I thought. David Blau <laughs> caught me by surprise. Uh, David Blau, I expected – this was my sideline line for David Blau. An interception, 164 passing yards, a fumble, two rushing attempts for eight rushing yards, and 16 for 29 passing. I didn't expect a good day from David Blau, and I expected a total of 10 points for the Detroit Lions. They went on to double my projected score. 20 is not a ton, but David Blau, two TD passes, one interception, 280 yards. He was decent. My thing, though, is, is it going to last? We see a lot of young quarterbacks come in to this league or quarterbacks just in general that kind of no names come out of nowhere and have one good performance or maybe two or maybe last just a few weeks at most. David Blau, I think, is just going to end up like one of those guys. Did his performance wow anybody? No. Considering the circumstances, maybe a few people. Like on Thanksgiving, he's an undrafted rookie. First game ever against one of the toughest defenses in the league, and he played decent. But 280 yards, two TDs, and one interception is good, but it's not wowing. Unless the circumstances are just something crazy, and I don't think this was crazy. It was hard, difficult, but it wasn't crazy, ridiculous, anything like that. But he still was very good, and if I'm the Lions, I'm excited to see what he does next week and the week after that because I'm sticking with him. If Jeff Driscoll is ready next week, I am playing David Blau again. That's what I'm doing because I know what I'm getting from Driscoll. I, I Blau, maybe there's something there. I, do I think there's something there? No, I think he's just another backup. But maybe there is. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I am. Uh, but on the bear side of things, we'll get back to lines in a minute. Uh, but like Mitchell Trubisky, he's good in this game. He's 29 for 38 passing. It's very efficient. 338 yards, three TD passes, and the end of one pick. He was good in this game. I projected a good game from him, though. I projected two passing TDs for one interception, 211 passing yards, 17 for 26. That's not phenomenal. He definitely exceeded my expectations, but they also threw the ball more than I thought they would. I thought they were going to uh, – they, they actually ran it more because I, th- I had David Montgomery down for 15 carries in this game. He ended up with 16. They just got the ball a lot less, I guess. I mean, a lot more, than I guess, than I thought they would. Oh, may- Maybe there's something – something – I don't know. Where did I go wrong? Oh, well, I had some other guys getting touches. Well, okay, that's fair enough, I guess. But I I underestimated the amount they throw the ball, I guess. But those are always tough to guess. Anyway, 
Mitchell Trubisky was decent in this game, but I'm not sold on Mitchell Trubisky. The last time they faced the Lions, he did the same exact thing. What does he do next game? Goes back to his old ways. This is the Detroit Lions. This defense is bad. They don't do a good job of forcing turnovers. I think they're last in the league. I know they forced the one on them, but whatever. And they're one of the worst run and pass defenses in the league. They've got holes all over the place. I like Darius Slay. I like Tracy Walker. I like Trey Flowers. I like some of their defensive players, but overall as a unit, they're not good. Have they underperformed this season? Of course they have. Because I think there are still some talented guys on that defense. And Matt Patricia is a defensive guy. They should be better. Do I expect them to be top five, top ten defense in the league? No, but I expected them to be around middle of the pack. They're towards the end of the pack. And Mr. Trubisky, any quarterbacks were really performing. David Montgomery had 16 carries for 75 yards in this game. He had a good game. Uh, he also caught a touchdown. Uh, he had two catches on the day. Jesper Horstead. <laughs> this was funny to me because I was at, you know, with my cousins and whatnot, watching the game. We're like, who is that? We looked him up. Second catch of the year for him. Backup tight end. But someone that showed up, Allen Robinson, I actually predicted a big day for him. I predicted six catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. He had eight catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. So less yards, more catches than I thought. But Anthony Miller, nine catches and 140 yards out of nowhere. Like he just came, he just showed up and balled out. And he made some big catches. He had that one uh, later in the game. He was good. I give him credit. He was good. Uh, Roquan Smith as well. He's probably their best defensive player. He had 10 tackles and two sacks. He did have that costly penalty at the – not caught. It, it could have been costly. Uh, it kind of looked like he got tripped. In that play where he's tackling Ty Johnson out of bounds, and he ended up going 15 yards for a little extra on the tackle. You know, he's already out of bounds. But it kind of looked like he got tripped. But, I mean, outside of that, really don't really have any complaints from him. But this defense, it, it's tough because – it's tough to say because – they're coming off a short week. You've never seen this David Block blah. That's basically his last name, okay? You've never seen this kid play before. And not only is it a short week enough, but I'm sure on Monday you were game planning for Jeff Driscoll. I think the two play similar play styles. They seem to have similar stature, seem to both have some sort of scrambling ability. Like Jeff Driscoll is a scrambler. Uh David Blau ran it only once. Oh, I thought he ran it more. Uh, well, still, that just proves my point. Like, it's tough. I thought he ran it more. I, I could have sworn. Uh, but I wasn't sure. I really didn't know much about the kid. I knew he played at Purdue. That's a good pro-style system. So I like that. I love kids who – that's why I love Will Greer. He's on the uh, Panthers right now. Players who can come out of the halls with those intangibles. Like, not only athleticism. Athleticism, great and height and whatnot. But the things that I really look for in quarterbacks, things that I love, can you read a defense? Can you audible to the right play? Uh, can you understand defenses? Read them in-game on the fly. Can you run a pro-style offense? Him running a pro-style offense and getting ahead of the game in college, I love that. I really do. At Purdue, he ran in a pro-style system. And that's what I look at with some of these quarterbacks. Do you make those reads? You know, is your footwork polished? That, that one kind of goes more in the athleticism department. But stuff like that. And maybe that comes as like a Patriots fan. You know, Tom Brady doesn't have the athleticism. He doesn't really show off those intangibles. But he shows a different sort of intang athletic intangibles set aside. He doesn't show off any of those. It's actually a big negative. Athletic intangibles for him. But being able to read those defenses and stuff like that. I love that type of stuff in a quarterback, and I do look for it. I give the Lions play calling uh, credit, too. David, they go out, they have a, a zero-yard run. Next play, David Blow. 
David Blah. I don't know. I don't know. David Blah. What is it? Is it David Blah? Let's see. Wait, we're gonna go on Google Translate for a minute and see what they think. How do you think you pronounce David Blah? Blah blah blah. All right, let's see. David Blau. Blau. It's David Blau. All right, David Blau. You saw that throw to TJ Hawkinson he had, right? First throw of the game, five-yard short. They're like, all right, yeah. First of all, you go into that game, probably one safety deep or something. Like, not expecting a whole lot from this kid. He goes out, they go, and Kenny Golley's wide open downfield. I saw Kenny Golley in fantasy, of course, and... Whatever. Uh, you guys probably don't care. Um, but, no, I mean, just stuff like that. Like, the play calling was good. They said, all right, you're going to disrespect this kid. And as soon as he threw that first touchdown, he goes out the next drive. Nice pass or two. They start rolling downfield. Chuck Pagano finally gave him uh, credit. Kind of gave him respect and started respecting his deep ball ability and respecting his throwing ability. So, third-string quarter, undrafted third-string quarterback coming out of nowhere. First throw was horrible. So stuff like that. I mean, he didn't lead them to a dub, but he was pretty, pretty good in this one. Uh, moving on to the next game, we had the Bills and Cowboys. This was one I got wrong. I had the Cowboys winning this game. Yeah, I know. I had the Cowboys winning actually by a score, 27 to 17. But I only had them having a 52% chance to win. I said respect the Bills going into this game. The amount of disrespect the Bills got going into this game was blasphemy. I mean, it really but everyone picked the Cowboys. And my brother actually picked the Bills, but uh, for the most part, you know what I mean. Like, obviously, there's going to be some people. I mean, if the Ravens face – I picked the Dolphins in week one over the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Like, there's going to be that guy. I was that guy that week. Um, But just the amount of – like, they're 8-3. and three. The Cowboys are coming off terrible performance. Everyone picked the Cowboys. I even picked the Cowboys, and I picked them by a 10-point deficit. Uh, again, the against the Bills losing to it by a ten point deficit to the Cowboys. That's what I meant to say. Uh, but I was surprised. I really was um, that no one was picking the Bills, and I thought they deserved respect. And they went out and des- earned some people's respect. Josh Allen. People are treating this game like it was some amazing game. Was it one of the biggest games of his career? Yes. He rushed for 10, uh, 10 times for forty three yards and a touchdown, and then he was very good passing. I'll give you that. He he wasn't spe- not spectacular, but he was he was good. It was one of his best games of his career. One of the biggest games too. National television, Thanksgiving against the Cowboys, and he goes out and balls out. I'll say it. He balled out. He had nineteen for twenty four passing. That's very good. Uh, Two hundred thirty one yards and the touchdowns. One point he added like eleven completions straight. Uh, Devin Singletary wasn't bad. He had fourteen carries for sixty three yards. It's very good. Um, and then he also caught the forty. What was it? Uh, not 40. 28-yard touchdown. Uh, John Brown threw that. That was the first time a receiver threw a touchdown in Bill's history. Uh, but it was weird because Josh Allen scrambled out of the pocket well for them. They had the end around to Robin Foster, which went for seven yards. Devin Singletary rushed for four and a half yards a carry. Frank Gore, though, had nine carries. It's a good amount. Of, you know, it's a good amount. He only had 11 yards. So that one was odd. But other than that, I mean, offensively, you couldn't complain with Josh Allen, Devin Singletary. You really couldn't complain with anybody. Maybe just Frank Gore, but... Gore's getting up there in age. Uh, I predicted a John Brown touchdown. He threw a touchdown pass. I didn't project the Cole Beasley touchdown, actually. I didn't. 
he had a monster estate too. He had six catches for 110 yards of touchdown. What I thought was the Cowboys, he used to be on the Cowboys for years. The Cowboys would know how to game plan for him. We would know how to guard him, but no. Half these guys have played him in practice for years. Jason Garrett, like Jason Garrett, first of all, should be fired after the season. Unless they go to the Super Bowl, they go on an impressive run to the NFC Championship or something. This guy has way too many chances. He sucks. He's horrible. He's not. He's good enough to be an NFL head coach, but he's not good enough to coach a team like the Dallas Cowboys that have so much pressure. They're basically America's team. They're one of America's teams. Let's just say that at this point. Jerry Jones is getting up there in age. He should want a title suit. They're a good team. Jason Garrett can't game plan for some of these good teams. The preparation like against the Patriots was treacherous. That was horrible. My goodness, was that bad. Uh, but... I just, I don't know what to say. Like, he, he's just bad. And the Cowboys aren't going on a run this year because they have Jason Garrett at the wheel. They're 0-5 against winning teams. Since they're 0-5 against winning teams, guess what that means? They're 6-1 against non-winning teams, which might be good enough to get you into the playoffs, maybe, if you're lucky and the Eagles continue to struggle and you... Nine and seven ends up being good enough for the division title, but it's not going to win you in the playoffs because you have to face good teams in the playoffs. That's the thing. If you only beat bad teams and don't beat good teams, maybe that'll be good enough to sneak into the playoffs, but you'll do nothing. You won't do jack squat in the playoffs. They can't. I don't think that's all on Jason Garrett, by the way, because I don't think all of a sudden, yo, he's a genius when he faces bad teams. Not genius, but he's he can game plan easily against these bad teams, but against the good teams, he just can't. Uh, and by the way, also, I just want to throw this out. Pre-game, I was watching, you know, before the game started. He looked way too comfortable. No one has trust in him. They just came off a horrible week where his – not a horrible week for the team, but himself, he, you know, prepped really bad. There's a lot of pressure. He's on the hot seat. He just comes in, he's smiling, like, I'm glad you're happy. It's Thanksgiving. Whatever, but you look way too comfortable, man. You you like you know, yeah, I'm on the hot seat, but it happens all the time. And they're like, oh, I'll give you one more chance. This happens all the time. He looks too comfortable, and I think the Cowboys have done this to themselves. Moving on to our third and final game, we have the Saints and the Falcons. I was so close predicting this game. I predicted 28 to 16 Saints. Yes, I actually predicted a mixed extra point from the Falcons and Young Ho Koo, but. The score is 26 to 18 Saints. So I was actually very, very close. Uh, I predicted much more. Latavius Murray disappointed me. He only had four carries for two yards. I predicted for him. Uh, let me find it. One rushing TD on eight attempts for 41 rushing yards. And I also had him going down for a catch, a four-yard catch. And he ended with no catches either. He was really disappointing in that game. Uh, but Taysom Hill was probably their player of the day. First drive. Uh, for the Falcons, they go three and out. They go to punt it. Taysom Hill blocks the punt. Then he goes in. He gets a carry. What What was the sequence? No, no, no. He went in. He got a catch. That's what it was. Because he lined up as a tight end. Got a catch out in the flat. And then he rushed in a touchdown. He had two carries for 33 yards. A blocked punt. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown on two carries for 33 yards. A blocked punt. And then he had two catches for 12 yards in the touchdown. He was arguably their player of the day yesterday. He is such a good utility player. 
Uh, Drew Brees wasn't bad either. 18 for 30, 184 yards and touchdown. Didn't rely on him a ton in this game. Uh, but, I mean, it's not a bad thing. Salvage his arm, man. We saw this happen last season where, you know, he had a, got off to a great start of the season and they threw it 30-something times a game and then his arm started to die out. He started to struggle more and more as so the playoffs came and you got to save that arm for the playoffs. You really need your 10 and 2. If I'm not a Saints, I go in with a run-happy type uh, thought. Yeah, I mean, they've already clinched a division. So if I'm them, I go in, I run happy. They face the 49ers next week. So, I mean, there's some implications there. I can understand throwing the ball 30-something times that game. But, like, you got the Colts, then you got the Titans, and then the Panthers last week. The last week's not going to really matter, maybe. But I, I'm seriously, even if that last week does matter, and these last four games do actually mean something to this organization and the fact that you want that home field advantage or something, I still try to drift slightly away from the passing game. That's what I do because I need to salvage his arm. You've made it. You are in. You Even if you lose out, you're still 10-6 and six and you've won the division. You've already clinched. So uh, the, your division's been poor. It's been really bad this season. Uh, and they're the first team to clinch. Uh, I love the Saints. But the Falcons, I do give their defense credit. Because they. I know they have 26 points. Uh, but their offense didn't help them out. Matt Ryan turned the ball over twice. They only scored 18 points. Uh, the Saints are still the Saints. They're still a very good defense. But look at it. Like, Michael Thomas had six catches for 48 yards. That's, I know, it's not like, Michael Thomas, he still had six catches, but that's Michael Thomas. He's on pace to have arguably the best year receivers ever had. You kept him out of the end zone, below 50 yards, and below seven catches, which I know doesn't sound like a huge accomplishment. The one, I mean, six catches ain't great, but you kept him kind of short field, like under 50 yards and no touchdowns that I, I don't care if he had 10 catches. I'm fine with that. Forget the receptions. As long as you know, we had under 50 yards and no touchdowns mission complete. I don't care if he had 20 catches. I le- legitimately don't care. Uh, but I give the saints credit there and nine sacks on drew Brees. They're putting pressure on the, uh, uh the old fella. Their defense is bad. But they know how to they know how to handle the Saints. They do. That game earlier, like two weeks, three weeks ago, they controlled the Saints offense. They didn't control them today, but nine sacks. You did a good job on Michael Thomas. Their defense deserves credit, but the offense doesn't. They threw the ball 50 times. 35 of those were complete. Uh, 312 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. Looks like a mini Jameis Winston type week for Matt Ryan. Um, but my favorite part from this whole game was the Interception, the undrafted uh, defensive tackle had shy Tuttle on the Saints. He intercepted stiff on the crap out of Matt Ryan. Oh, that was dirty. That was awesome. They called um, Cam- Cameron Jordan uh, for the um, block in the back, unfortunately. He had four sacks in this game, by the way. Uh, I don't – was it the – yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. But uh, the Saints, as I was saying, the amount of sacks they had on the Falcons – did I say the Falcons that whole time? I'm so dumb. I am so... No wonder the listens have been going down lately when you get the listens up. But the Saints had nine sacks. Why did I say the Falcons that whole time? I said the Falcons that whole time. Oh, good. I meant the Michael Thomas part. They did good on Michael Thomas. Why did I say the Saints had nine sacks, not the Falcons? That is my bad. Falcons had no sacks in this game. So that's the ironic part. I'm pretty sure they had no sacks anyway. I can go and check. Yeah, they had no sacks. 
the, the Falcons didn't have nine sacks. The Saints did. That's what I meant. Why did I say the Falcons? Besides the point, you probably were like, yeah, they didn't have nine sacks. He's probably he's mixing it up. Yeah, it was a long day yesterday, okay? Be fair. But that is going to wrap up this portion of the episode. So now I want to touch up for the first time in a while, just a, about a week or so, on the Boston Bruins. So let's get to that. Before the season started, I had the Bruins having a decent season, but I expected regression. Why? I don't know. All I know is I'm a Boston sports fan, and after I watched the Red Sox and the Celtics, and I had high hopes for both teams, it both just hit random regressions. It was almost like I expected the same with the Boston Bruins. But it's been the opposite, really. This team right now set at the top of the Atlantic Division with 41 points. 12 more than the next team, which is the Panthers at 29. The team is 18-3-5 in 7-0-3 in their last 10. That is crazy, just to think about that. We're also the best team in the league so far. We have 41 points. Next is the Capitals at 39. They're hot on our tails. But the Bruins have played some very, very good hockey, and they just wrapped up a game that I was actually just watching before I started this against the New York Rangers, which is the game I really want to talk about today because it's brand new. I mean, this is... This is some of the first analysis you're going to get on this game, besides maybe some post-game coverage, because this is only an hour or so after the game. This is coming out. Maybe you're listening the next morning, you know, Saturday morning, maybe you'll listen to this, have a nice cup of coffee. I don't know. All I know is we need – the listeners need to get up, people. But anyway, that's besides the point. The Bruins played well. They did in this game. The beginning of the game – I will say, though, first I want to start with Halak. Halak – had 26 saves on 28 shots. Seems pretty average. He had a good game in this one. He really did. I know I give goalies a little more credit than most people, but he did good. He really did. Uh, there were just a lot of time. You know, that second goal, uh, Heinen, I'm pretty sure it was, throws a puck in the middle of the ice. They get an easy two-on-one. He saves the first one. Big rebound. They score in the second. He made some big-time saves. He easily could have allowed four goals in this one. But he, you know... He made some good saves. Did he have a spectacular performance? No, but he got the job done for sure. I thought he had a good day. And most of his goals were earlier on in the game. The Rangers outplayed the Bruins to start that game. I give the Bruins work, you know, credit where credit's due. They were down 2-0 in that game. They fought back three unanswered goals. They played good hockey. They killed a ton of penalties. The Rangers didn't have one power play goal, and they had about four power plays in this one. I know their first goal was right after their first power play ended, so it was kind of like, Somewhat of a power play goal, but it, it technically wasn't. Uh, but they killed a five on three. Uh, McAvoy got into that fight, and then they had two more penalties. It was a five on three, and they killed it. They did. They got a good job of just keep continuously getting the puck down on the Rangers' end of the ice. The Rangers even called a timeout to set up and try to do something with it, but they couldn't. Uh, Depressed, though, he had two assists in this game. I thought he was good. Krejci had the game-winning goal and an assist. Uh but David Pasternak, not only did he have that goal, but that overtime, the overtime, can I just say that was filthy. That was filthy. End of the game, David Pasternak, this guy's had a ton of skills. We already knew it. He scores already 24 goals on the season. I know he had he had like 15 or 16, and then he went quiet for a good week or so, and that he's been back ever since. He's hot again. Him and Marshan, top of the league in points, up there with like Leon Drazet. I don't know how to say his last name. Drazet. He's on Edmonton. Um, but 
Anyway, like, Pasternak, that move was filthy that he put on. He, I can't even describe it. And then he kind of does that hook around past the Krejci. That, you just need to go see it for yourself because I can't describe it. So just look up highlights. And if you don't want to watch the game, I suggest you do. It was a good game. But if even if you just want to get to the good part, there were some good saves and good plays, but just watch the overtime. Just watch the overtime highlights. It's around the three-minute mark, three-and-a-half minute, you know, something around the three-minute mark. I can't remember exactly. I'm sorry. But it was nasty. It was a filthy move, filthy pass. Krejci finished it off. Beautiful. Beautifully beautiful, beautiful move. And I think they deserve this win today. I think the Rangers played well, too. The Rangers are 12-9-3, so they've been kind of average, like expected. I guess they've been, like, slightly over expectations. But I know it's a great Rangers team. They played decent today. But the Bruins, their special teams play is going to continue to win them games. I say this every time. Their special teams play is great, but they need to be better five on five, especially come playoff time because penalties aren't going to be called. It's like, um, what's its face? Like the Houston Rockets, like James Harden. Why do they struggle in the playoffs? Because they rely so many times on fouls. And when people have, oh, I just had a few days ago on my Instagram, go follow that after the Brothers Sports Talk. Uh, There was a debate where Nicole Jokic versus Joel Embiid, and we were talking about how Nicole Jokic is better in the playoffs, mostly in part to the fact that Joel Embiid plays such a physical game and relies so much on getting so many points at the free throw line. Fouls aren't called. Same thing in hockey. They rely on five-on-five play. Like the Bruins, obviously, you know, you don't want to have penalties against you, but their penalty kill is really good. Their power play, they also get a lot of goals off their power play. But on that kind of, you know, when it's not five-on-five hockey, when it's not even strength, even in overtime, this team, the Bruins have been very good in overtime when it is even strength, technically, because both teams, you know, it's a three-on-three. But still, it's kind of just that when there's more space, when there's less people on the ice, they tend to do better. Even if it's – I mean, I, I they're a better five-on-five team than they are when another team has the man advantage. But the Bruins, whether it's in overtime or on the man advantage, they're very good. They score a lot of goals, and – on the penalty kill, has been very good. They're carrying over last year, but that's my thing. We got to be able to perform 5-on-5 five five hockey. I know we made it to the Stanley Cup seven games in the Stanley Cup Finals last year, but I don't know if we'll get that far again With you know, if we can't get better 5-on-5. Five five. Our even strength just has to be better. So that's going to wrap today's episode. I know a bit of a shorter one. Not, it didn't really even hit the 30-minute mark. But again, the listens these past – this month of November has been very bad. Uh, I know I haven't got on a ton of episodes, as many as I would have liked to, but we have not got any listens. They've dipped. And I've had this podcast for now. I hate I hate doing this to you guys because you guys are great. I'm not going to stop doing this or anything like that. Um, I know it takes a while. I, I, like, I love doing it. I'm, I'm definitely not going to stop. But we have barely grown in listens, and I've had this podcast for nine months. And lately... I got more listens at the beginning than we have lately. I don't know what's going on lately. I know I haven't been very active with it, so maybe people, some people just disregarded my podcast. Like, yeah, he's kind of drifting off. But th- this happens. Like, I have some of these stretches. It's been tough. I tell you, coming into the break, I had so many tests and stuff. I'm never going to quit this. And if I were, I'd tell you. And I tell me, I tell you right now, I'm not quitting. This is not, this is not a chance. You couldn't get me. You couldn't pay me to quit this. I'm not. It's just not going to happen. Um. But anyway, go follow me on Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk. We are closing in on 500 followers. It's been a while. It's been a grind. 2019 has been a grind. 
but hopefully 2020 starts to pay off. But just go follow it. Sports content, there's some stuff that I don't talk about here sports-wise that I talk about there because I also get more views over there. Like here, way less than I do over there. Uh, but I still, obviously, again, I like this. Don't worry. This isn't me like, come on, you guys got to pick up the pace or else I'm going to quit. I just, it would be more motivating if you guys could just help me out a little bit now and we could get the train back on the tracks and we could keep uh, moving towards our goal, slowly but surely. Uh, but there are definitely some stuff there. And I podcast updates. I know a lot of you don't. Technically, obviously, a lot of you don't um, see whenever I post a podcast. So I do podcast updates there as well. Uh, But yeah, thank you guys for listening. And I hope to see you guys next time.